Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. We're going to look at Jim Valentino and Don Simpson's Normal Man, Megaton Man crossover from Image Comics, I think 1994. Uh, kind of in the vein of Savage Dragon, Megaton Man, or Splitting Image. Uh, maybe even a little hint of 1963 in here. But before we crack this thing open, I want to invite everybody to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Hit the bell icon next to the subscribe button to be notified when we post new videos. It'll help offset the kayfabe effect. Kayfabe effect is when everybody sees Normal Man, Megaton Man, they're going to race off to eBay, Amazon, and their local comic shop to get themselves a copy of this great comic. And uh, they can get scarce. Prices can go up. So you want to be the first one in line looking for whatever sh comics we are showing off. And best way to do that, hit the notification button. You'll be the first in line. Also, let these videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share our videos with other comics fans who haven't found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. We are at 62,000 and growing. We are on our way to 6 million. So the best way you can help us grow is let these videos play through to uh, just raise the awareness with other comics fans. We appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, also, we're going to be at Heroes Con. Comic conventions are back, and uh, that's going to be the next one on our list. So come out in June and let us know what you want to see on Cartoonist Kayfabe. But, Ed, we are here to uh, get into one of these 80s superhero characters <laughs> crossing over in the 90s. Uh, what a cover, man. Call it, you know, obviously an homage to the Superman Muhammad Ali DC treasury cover. Uh, pretty famous, iconic cover there. You're seeing it here, but our crowd is made up of indie comic characters. Um, starting with our referee, Flaming Carrot, big, right in the middle. Let's play a game, Jimmy. Oh boy. Who can who can you call out, man? Start start from the uh, top left with Zot. Yeah, Zot, Scott McCloud, obviously that's an easy one. Put your fingers on the triggers. <laughs> uh Panda Con. Yep. Uh, who's that? Omaha Cat Dancer? I think so. Uh Cerebus. I don't know who the the bear looking character next to Cerebus is. Isn't there like Ninja Gopher Squad something? Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, like I think there I might think be a what, few of them. Yeah, I think that's what those are. Uh, Madman, Mike Allred's Madman. That's a, that's a Mike Allred thing too, from the Madman comics. Yeah. Um, Roberta Gregory maybe. Naughty Bits for sure. But who's above? Uh, Doctor Radium. Got I think that's right. An SLG title. Neil the Horse. Ooh, Arn Saba. Dan Clowes with uh, is that Needle Dick? <laughs> that's 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 definitely a Clowes piece. <laughs> I don't know that cat above. Is that Fat Freddy's cat? No. No. Yeah, I'm not. I don't recognize that one either. Look at look at below uh, Klaus though. That's like a Richard Sala. Okay. But I don't know, you know, specifically what. Do you remember this? That's a. It's. That's like a Mark Baudet. Oh, gotcha. Okay, sweet. Uh, Mr. Spook from Bean World, Larry Martyr. I'm not sure who this is with the kind of cartoony nose. I think that's Sad Sack. You know Sad Sack? Yeah, I know Sad Sack. Doesn't that look like Sad Sack? It does kind of look like Sad Sack. These gophers, I have no idea. Like, this might be one of your uh, turtle ripoff gopher groundhog something characters. Yeah, I don't know that shit. We're getting know. into some deep... I don't know that into frog. into the weeds, man. I don't know that frog with the, with the Zot shirt. Obviously, Jeff Smith's bone characters here. You, do you know this one right there? Is that Dark Knight? Nah, that's the Night Watchman from, from Big think? Bang Comics. All right. That's what I'm thinking. You know, now this one I'm right really here? falling off. An army ant? That's uh, Steve Laffler's Bug House. Jeez. How about this Colleen Duran? Absolutely, man. A Distant Soil. You know those two? Is that um, Wolf and Bird? It is, man. Counselors of the Macabre. 
I don't know these two, but I've seen that guy. That is uh, Johnny. Oh man, Hazard. No, it's a Pete Morisi character, Johnny Dynamite. Oh, cool. He ran in the back. There were reprints in the back of. Um, oh man, Miss. I'm not gonna get it right now, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, Johnny Dynamite, Pete Morisi. I have a collection of his stuff. Ralph Snort. All right. Uh, Cherry Pop Tart. That's goddamn right. I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Man, I'm just winging it on a lot of these. And I have an idea of what that is. It's real hard to tell. Poop like, emoji. <laughs> I think it's a fucking gestating tyrant. Like I see scales oh, and shit yeah. there. I'm not sure. You might be right. But slightly off register, like black line. Yeah, exactly. Getting that white outline around it. I'm just guessing the, that part. Wow. All right. Well. You and ready then, to dive in? And then I don't know who these guys are either. Yeah, I have no idea. Or that. Man, it's so bizarre. Do they have them all called out? I don't see the, uh, I don't think they have the key, unfortunately. But, no, oh, you, oh, you know what, man? It yeah. is, it was Johnny Dynamite. It, it was, it was uh, that one character. And it's a Terry, it said Terry Beatty. Terry Beatty, yeah. What, what was the book that... There was a crime book that, that they did. Mystery. Mystery. They reprinted Johnny Dynamite in the back of there, and he might have ended up being like a uh, supporting character in, in Mystery. Okay, so like, yeah, in this inside cover, man, this is the stuff that, that like, uh, these are the guys. So, okay, so there are several Arn Saba pieces. Soapy and Neil the Horse. Uh, let's see. There's a Rick Veach Mystery Incorporated piece somewhere. I don't didn't see that. Something called Sea Wolf. That's, that's a character we don't know. Yeah, there's quite a few of these um, that are kind of news to me. Yeah. Which Bob is, again, funny. Like, how much, you know, like, what a connection in the early 90s as far as, like, let's get as many indie people involved as possible. And I, it looks like these are, a lot of them are paste-ups. Okay. I was going to say drawn by the original creators, but right, paste-ups. Yeah. No doubt with permission. They do talk in the back about some of the pages that have different characters popping up that they were gathering those up at a couple of conventions that they were at. Yeah, that would be that would happen. Like there was the the one uh, Madman cover where uh, Dan Klaus draws the nutsack, the, like the floating nutsack. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny to think of Dan Klaus with some of this stuff. I know because he's sitting in an artist's alley next to next to uh, I don't know, man. He has that really cool Madman pinup, like Madman. Allred would get all those card yeah. and pinups from like two everybody, sets. and I mean like everybody. The, yeah. the the names that are part of that phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely, man. Frazetta. So cool credits. You see, Valentino and Don Simpson are certainly like co-responsible for this script layouts, co-plotters, uh, letter and script, and then uh, aided the second the second tier, Larry Martyr and Bob Burden, and then you see like some of the background art people that I guess they were able to snag at uh like we said at various conventions or wherever they would hook up with them maybe mailing some stuff maybe doing paste-ups so here we go this was our end of splitting image right these characters show up and ask if they can join and uh they they weren't welcomed dude I put together a run of a nor normal man uh based on getting my hand on this comp based on a splitting image getting this and I have when, a bunch of normal and man. when I saw normal man out in the wild I'm like oh I gotta check that out yeah, how'd those hold up for you? They don't look unattractive. It's true. It's true. It's, it's, I was always impressed because it was like, as I was learning about Image and Marvel guys and where they came from and hearing like, oh, Valentino did black and white like indie comics before he got to, to Marvel. That was always a revelation to me. And 
course, now we know that's maybe more the norm from that time period, but it seemed really cool. Time to pay some bills. Ed Piscor and I are working cartoonists. The best way to support cartoonists kayfabe? Buy our comic books. Red Room, Trigger Warnings. Issues 1 through 3 now available in comic shops everywhere, barring uh, 28 countries and I think 11 comic shops where it's banned. But you can ask for this and order it from virtually any comic shop. Who knows, they might pull them out from under the covers. Red Room Trigger Warnings 3, the second season of Red Room. Every Red Room cover self-contained, so pick up whichever one you find and you'll get a complete story. Along with Red Room Anti-Social Network, the trade paperback of the first season available now wherever books and comics are sold. Hulk Grand Design, Monster Madness, a retelling of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk. I am writing, drawing, coloring, lettering, the whole shebang, the Grand Design way. And this is available now in comic shops everywhere. Both issues, the complete story of the Incredible Hulk's rich history. Pick that up now wherever comics are sold. And back to our regular scheduled programming. Pitt making an early appearance and them talking about the size of uh, the bigger neck veins than these guys have, which is saying something if one of the neck veins is Megaton Man's. Yeah, it's a thing. Like, like Megaton Man would would parody a lot of, like, Silver Age Marvel and would have, like, would go up to Steranko and stuff. Normal Man, like, there would be, there's a Normal Man cover that's, like, uh, the spirit uh splash page you know like he he's he's way deeper you know i i still think about the the jim mafood page he did uh roast in the the image founding fathers where uh he draws jim valentino calling robert crumb to offer him forty thousand dollars to hang out with him for a day <laughs> <laughs> well they are uh off on their quest to find their own world and to fit in somewhere and flaming carrots the first one to show up with the idea of like oh yeah all you need are uh, big gun shoulder pads and incomprehensible storylines. And his character, Blood Clot, the Untamable. <laughs> That's a profanity in some cultures. It's a funny drawing because it's kind of like, I mean, this is all Don Simpson. Totally. All the surrounding drawing on that character. Probably even the head because I don't know why you bother to have somebody draw the head in there. But maybe that's a Bob Burton. He can freaking swing a brush, man. He definitely can. I'm always impressed by the guys who are fans of Flaming Carrot. I feel like there are a lot of what I would think of as unlikely Flaming Carrot fans. Flaming Carrot was right before my when I got into comics as a reader. So I have some Flaming Carrot comics. They're fine, but I know these guys where it's like, that's a big book for them. Sure. It's it's those guys. It's the guys who like Elementals. It's the guys who yeah, it's just fuck a with Mage. Yeah, a couple few years and, before I was buying. Yeah, like there's a certain prejudice. Like there's there's a there's a gulf because, because uh, they're the guys that were like, you guys are fucking stupid reading that right. Todd McFarlane bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Like the guys who would be saying that were like the Elementals fans and we're, we're messing with like all of that kind of... And, yeah, Flaming Carrot is one of those. There's your Mystery Incorporated uh, Rick Beach piece. Oh, yeah, we got another one of these uh, splashes, man. Yeah, that thank you in the beginning may have been referring to, like, throughout the issue, too, like, who, who all appears. Yeah. Um, this kind of thing where, like, they're at the crossroads of all of these different worlds. Uh, concrete standing there all small at the bottom. Herbie the Fat Fury. Um, it makes me think of... Like, a lot of comics have this concept, and they play it like revisionist superheroes. I, I've seen this in some of those comics, this idea of, like, what the different worlds are and, and these characters in different places. So it's kind of funny how that can be, like, very dark and serious and literary, you know, revisionist superheroes. Or it can be this kind of, like, parody, satire, played just for laughs kind of version. Yeah, like, and, you know, this is clearly by, by comic fans. You know, Duckburg... So you have your Carl Barks, 
Border Worlds is the Don Simpson sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do we have? Man, the Phantom Zone. I think that's some DC shit. Yeah, Earth One. I like this one arrow just points down. <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons character in here. I mean, this is... Uh, you know, it's crazy that we haven't done in Pictopia yet, but that would be like the first place in comics to really play around with this kind of trope. And and certainly Alan Moore does it a whole lot. And Cheese Whiz reference to uh, Garib Seamus from the big, uh, Wizard. The big cheese. Wearing a Zero illustrated shirt. So definitely a, fo- uh, you know, a time period that, mm-hmm. that we're looking at here. Clearly, unmistakably early 90s reference. Do we have a John Byrne type guy? Is that what we're looking at there? Yeah, I assume that's what who this is supposed to be. I was on top once. <laughs> <laughs> That's just mean. Ah, he's done all right for himself. And uh, Neil Gaiman, right? No, totally. Going, man. To, going I, to reading. Look, they're going to Slumberland. Right. That's pretty clever. Going from uh, Nemo, one of the great comic stri- first great comic strips, to now Sandman. There are some good uh, like little Nemo-type strips in Sandman comics. That's a nice two-page spread action kind of image expectations met and then another uh another cool two-page spread but again having like some different characters come in it's it's confusing to me a little bit because you get into this and it's a lot of the corporate owned characters so um, yeah um you know batman wolverine they're 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 uh, foreshadowing dude yes yes it's another mark boat a piece you you really prime it's getting destroyed (laughs) you can really kind of compare the chops of Don Simpson versus Jim Valentino when they draw their two big characters, man. Because, like, the sort of knowledge of just basic anatomy and stuff, like, Don Simpson has a more um, confident brush line. Yeah, I was going to point out that brush line is a big one. Yeah. And there's just something... There's something missing in the in the Valentino piece. This that's is... just, like, less solid. There's less of a foundational underdrawing. Yeah. A solidity. A little bit less polished, too. Totally. You look at this, and in my mind, I was thinking, like, it's funny to think Valentino's the guy that has a pretty good Marvel career, and Don Simpson, I don't know if he's done anything for Marvel, but you can't tell just from this drawing. I don't know that this drawing reveals, like, who should be doing a Marvel book. Yeah. Cut a little promo on Scott McCloud here. There, this, he got skewered in the 90s, <laughs> man. Did. I, there was a, wasn't there a fanographic thing called, like, filibustering comics or something? I don't know if that's true or not. There definitely was something like that. I don't know if it was fanographics, but they would write in the Blood and Thunders letters columns in Comics Journal for what felt like years after understanding comics, just just cutting promos on some of his ideas from understanding comics. This Bill Keen is not a fight scene. I feel like that's a clear right out of uh, understanding comics kind of language. Pretty funny to see him applying this idea. And then <laughs> Norm from uh normal man right shows up and he's mad that he looks the same and also throws a shot at lloyd llewellyn (laughs) (laughs) everybody looks like norm (laughs) (laughs) the bean rolled guy on the head something tells me that's just like a silly lark between those uh larry martyr and his pal don simpson yeah i feel like larry martyr's probably got some stories to tell because wasn't he running Moondogs before he comes to Image? Like, yeah. he had a big background in retail, comics, retail, direct market stuff. Yeah, he also had, uh, like, like an advertising background or something. He was a salesman. I wonder who did this background. Me too, because neither... That did, is not Don Simpson Marks. Right. 
And right. it's really nice. It's, it is. It's one of the nicer backgrounds in this story. Yes. Some of the cross hatching, like in the stalactites, look like I, 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 that's believable Valentino cross hatching to me. Page 16. What do we got here for 16? Page Brad 16. W. Foster. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's. I bet is. you he's doing finishes, if not the entire piece. So they're looking for continuing their quest to find a world and uh, the house the king built. Marvel Comics, of course. And, and man, slimy. Uh, not fans of Stan Lee putting putting that caricature together and he's going through what what they can do there and uh, he'll give them one and a half percent for uh, you know having those characters for, for that that'll be what they get for creating those characters that's 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 more than what uh, guys get these days yeah I was gonna say that's a pretty good deal I, I, I think that's uh, <laughs> much more generous than they realize uh, what's the DC version look like? Let's go over and talk to Paul Levitz. It's so funny, like House of Mort, like like Mort Todd was at uh, at Marvel at that point, and he was the guy responsible for all the weird titles like Monster Menace. That's the Damage Control. Uh, those like that weird Amanda Connor one you were talking Mort about. Mort Todd comes out of um, Crack, Pratt. right? Okay. He went. He, yeah, he went to Pratt with Clowes uh, and Rick Altergott and those dudes. And the way Klaus talks about him in interviews and stuff on YouTube, like he describes him as like that guy that could just like, like fall upwards. Like he was just another student, and Mortad like goes to crack, like looking to maybe sell a strip. And when he comes back to the room, he's like, "I'm editor in chief now over there." <laughs> <laughs> and like his career has just like always been that. Wow. Just like one of those charmed souls. That's funny. Karen Berger too. Pretty sure that's Karen Berger. Oh, uh, that's cool. Oh yeah, look at that Paul Levitz. Yeah, the Paul Levitz is good. <laughs> and they're gonna make they're gonna make these characters into the Dark Knight, or maybe something a little bit more on the uh, goth side of things. <laughs> That's probably not totally the goth, but definitely Sandman Vertigo. Yeah, Sandman is very goth. Running through some of the other universes, like, jeez, Ultraverse, Uglyverse is what they call it. Mm -hmm. That's funny. It does feel like that, man. Seeing them like just ripping apart something like the Ultraverse, boy, that that age as well. Sure. And this has to be Defiant, right? The slime, <laughs> Plasm, if you will. Yeah. Pogs just dismissed. This things aren't gonna last. <laughs> is this supposed to be Peter David? Looks like him. I think it is, because he talks about working on these same characters that have uh, run out of steam and and revamping them and then this todd mcfarlane right bud Hell yeah. i tell you bud oh yeah funny to do the written dialogue impersonation of todd mcfarlane you got to man like i like anytime anytime you uh draw todd mcfarlane you have to have the bud it's, it's the period on the sentence and we end up at beam world <laughs> and i gotta tell you how does this make sense to a reader <laughs> beam world is one of the craziest weirdest oddest comics there are i think it's pretty obscure especially by 1994 if you're reading this comic you just have to be confused whenever you get here to the end jimmy uh, like a raising rising tide raises all ships kind of thing in the same way that spawn number 10 was my introduction to cerebus this is my introduction to bean world and when i'm going through todd's 25 cent boxes at the pittsburgh comic-con new dimension like I scooped up Bean World comics because because it, it, like it, it got the cosign. I'm just saying, 
you're coming in here from an image, you know, through the image doorway to this comic, and I just think this has to leave you going, what? Megaton Man becomes a real mascot. It, it's it's so it's so hard to explain, but like Megaton Man is my is introduced to me by way of image comics. Me too. Yeah. So it's like the Savage Dragon. You know, it's he, you know he shows up in Splitting Image. Mm -hmm. There's this comic. These are my first like three. Megaton Man comics. I had no idea the history of it. It was I went to a damn hardware store and got Megaton Man issue three or four and was like, what? So this was around like for a long time. So all of it is confu was confusing. You know, this is this is for com studied comics fans who know comics. This is uh, Todd McFarlane doing the Flaming Carrot Turtles cover. Oh, that's it. How bizarre, right? And 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 by the way, like, I. Reading this, like I as a kid, I thought that Captain Everything was Normal Man, right? Because of course. because like it's like Normal Man, like Superman, and you see this guy who looks like Superman, but no, he's Captain Everything. It says on the shirt. It's such bizarre art to have like your color, your computer coloring on top. It of is it. very very strange. Yeah, because because you're you're leaving a lot up to you know Kiko Taganashi or whatever. And this is where you it really feels like Peter David. Uh, this exchange, like all the dialogue, feels like. Clearly, it's Peter David they're talking about. He's like in the same pose as he was just a couple pages before. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, so, yeah, Bob Burden selling some flaming carrot stuff. This is such a weird, bizarre. You can get seven comics, one sign for 15 bucks here. It's like a package deal, including the three issues of uh, Turtles crossovers 25, 26, 27. <laughs> this is another part of like my knowledge of flaming carrot it's just it's random like I, I had i would get a couple of issues that i would find but it might be like issue 22. yeah and he's a real he's a real you know salesman so so you're sending it directly to yes uh bob burden's like p.o box and uh the story that like i'll just never forget is is uh when uh like he approaches fantagraphics and is like gary kim i have an excellent idea for anthology it's the left-handed cartoonist anthology. So it'll be Robert Crumb, it'll be Jaime Hernandez, and it'll be me. And, and, and uh, you know, and the guys are kind of like, you know, one of these things is not like the other. I don't know about that, Bob. Interesting, uh, interesting career too, you know, like... Um, Mystery Men in the movie. Right. I like that movie too, you know, like it's a, he's an interesting creator. Kind of um, tick-esque in, in terms of like, you know, bringing comedy to superheroes, black and white. I guess Tick isn't self-published exactly. But neither was his stuff. Is that true? It was. It was. Uh, it was the Dave Sim. Oh, okay. Like Renegade, so, uh, or Ardvark Vanaheim, something like that. <laughs> Brings you back to the time period. Jason Pierce. And then we got a couple of pinups because why not? Got to got to pad out the pages. Yep. I guess we were three pages short, and then you get this like history of how this story came together. And just a couple of things that have to be pointed out here. They start talking, they both are doing black and white indie comics, Normal Man and Megaton Man, and like 1986's Rivals. So keeping in touch, friends over, over time and everything. And eventually as Image is ramping up, they start to talk about doing this project. And Don Simpson does Splitting Image, then he does that Savage Dragon Megaton Man crossover. And for whatever reasons, they can't quite get this project together and off the ground. So that's like 1992, like very early in image years is when you're getting your Dragon Megaton Man stuff together. This isn't until 1994. The sales on this, 30,000 copies. I mention that because, and I don't have numbers for Dragon Megaton Man, but I bet you it was 300,000. Yeah. 
you know, it would have been a totally different number just two years before. Like, talk about striking when the iron is hot. When when we... Or when the fire is hot. Whatever that expression uh, is. Like, 94, 92, totally different markets. When we interviewed Rick Veach, I believe, it's in our interview, but it might be in an interview that I watched somewhere else, maybe Comics Cube or something. It all blends, man. Shouts to Comics Cube if, if, if the interview happened there with Rick Veach, where he mentions this piece. But uh, he was talking, I actually think it is his interview, now I think about it. Um, he, Rick Veach is talking about just the intense amount of work that was required on 1963 to keep up the schedule, and a lot of it f fell on him. Like, he had to do a lot of extra stuff that they, you know, they, they weren't, it, it wasn't, he wasn't planning to do. But they needed to strike while the iron was hot because they seen like some of the other image books had to go into resolicits and the amount of orders the second time around like you know solicitations like your your sh your shop is ordering the books but they're just kind of earmarking that dough like it's it, they're not sending that money out yet and uh the first go around the uh the books might be a couple hundred thousand uh this the time the resolicit happens and the market is beginning its implosion and everybody has to tighten those bootstraps you could lose a hundred thousand sales right. hundred fifty thousand sales uh before you know the the next time it's solicited so you had to strike at the right time thirty thousand is is very low for image it, it might be the lowest selling image thing at this time yeah i was hoping i feel like i read somewhere exactly what you're saying in terms of the numbers but it may not be in this. But yeah, I, I have read that other places too, besides Rick Veach talking about it. Like, shit went off a cliff. Yeah. And, and it really is like fast, that decline. The, like I, I... And I mean, you would have those plans. The greatest place to, to track this stuff is read the letters columns in the Max. Mm -hmm. Because Sam Keith kept publishing a long time into that decline and was very honest in his letters page talking about stuff uh, you know, very grateful to the fans that were keeping that book afloat, but really talking like realistically about, I mean, they lost like 90% of sales over a couple of years. Yeah, there there seems to be... Like a zero, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what happened is like they slashed off a zero, maybe more than one. There's a lot to that uh, be, beyond like the, the just the the sales realities, man. Because like there is a threshold. I like, I think you have about two-year 24 issue window of greatness uh and then things just start to start to plummet creatively like you start to like tap tax yourself a bit i uh, you you see it you could point out a lot of great runs that last 24 issues or less right so when stuff gets bigger um you you frankly you get taken for granted and uh watching these alan moore master the the master class the bbc maestro stuff that's out right now man uh, he talks about like whenever you identify that you are using a device, you you must abandon that device and try something else out. And he really preaches avant-garde. Like he spends maybe four or five lectures discussing different um, sort of avant-garde techniques that became part of the mainstream and how how you have to ha have that bleeding edge piece. And the creators that that we cite the most are um restless and and trying a lot of new things man and you know these there are these cartoonists that that have these long runs 
but people take them for granted because it's they're just playing the hits and they keep doing kind of the same stuff. I remember getting a review of um, my book Super Mag and I think Restless was used and it was one of my favorite things anybody ever said about it's, my it's work. It's a big compliment. I think so. Because it means you're chasing, you're, you're really trying to like dis discover. It's a, it's a nice trait to have. Uh, it's even nicer if you also land on something that really strikes the chord that can like benefit you in a financial, pay the rent. Yeah, absolutely. That, that'd be a nice thing. Um, Don Simpson's Bizarre Heroes, an ad for his ongoing creator-owned comic from Fiasco Comics, self-publishing it. And this is your, you know, this is 94, so this is your rise of the independence time. Uh, SPX is going to come out of this m movement. But I wonder, like, in hindsight, he must have had the opportunity to do Bizarre Heroes at Image, right? And That's chose to self-publish. I'm very curious about that, and I wonder, what, what is his world if he had gone the other direction? Because you saw, like, Bone, Jeff Smith's Bone, who was also part of that Spirits of Independence, whenever things get to their worst point, joins Image. Yeah. Almost as, like, this is the best bet to, to survive whatever the comics industry direct market is right now. And I wonder, like, had Don Simpson aligned with Image rather than self-publishing, if things would have been, you know, the 90s would have been different. Because he leaves comics shortly after that, right? Like, he takes a big break from comics towards the end of that and all those guys mm -hmm. the set leaves comics you know like all these guys that were self-publishing and were good until that implosion many of them just get out of comics for a while yeah because of how bad things go it was as an observer also is this a character <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out what that is uh as a, as an observer uh, th like at that time period and all that stuff and seeing and seeing creators disappear quit comics and shit it was sort of that 90s period where like sellout was was a term that would come back into into vogue with like the grunge movement right. and like the 1990s like west coast yeah, it's a big o thing. oakland punk rock scene people it's, that like, are like five years Gilman older Street. than me and more yeah that's a big thing and i and i don't identify with it but i know exactly what you're talking about yeah like but the way that i sort of took that stuff it's about like um what they're what they now call uh lifestyle inflation where just because you're making a lot more, maybe you don't also increase your living expenses in a, in a drastic way. And I'm not saying that any of the people that we mentioned did that. Right. But I do know that some, not the people we mentioned. A lot mentioned, of people do. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it's the nouveau riche. It's, it's, I think of it as wrestling. Like, all you hear about old wrestlers talk about, like, save that money. Yeah. You know, when you're on top, save that money. Yeah. And I kind of feel that way. I think there's a, comics have some history where it's like, save that money. Totally. Whenever stuff's going well. Totally. And and, and I, I pulled a lot of dudes' coats about how they made 2008 work as as successful cartoonists. And that was the number one. Like, just, you gotta have, you know how they they say, like, like regular folk who, who have just proper jobs, it's like, you want your, like, six, six, six months, months expense, or, like, eight months, like, they basically said, have two years, have two years worth of expenses if you're gonna stay in a comic game, and that's easier said than done, certainly if you're living in L.A. or some shit like that, good fucking luck. Yeah, fun, uh, fun, fun little side conversation there. At some point, I, I would like to talk to Don Simpson, because... Man, he was there for some stuff. He oh, had a absolutely. front row seat for, for some interesting comics history. A absolutely, man. And shouts to Dan Shahan, who who did get a little bit of that stuff on the record. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, we need to get get the man get the man in front of the hot lights. And he's a Pittsburgh guy. Like, we could get him in front of the hot lights. Yeah, literally. Yeah, no Zoom. Right. Good to go? I am. 
Uh, kayfabers like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell we'll notify you when new vids are available what's out there jimmy hulk grand design monster and hulk grand design madness are in stores now that is the grand design treatment of the hulk 60 year history i'm writing drawing coloring lettering all of that perfect for the new hulk fan or the longtime reader join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see more of my comics art and how i make the comics i make and come check us out at heroes con in charlotte at the end of june we'll be happy to talk more comics in person there Red Room Trigger Warnings Issue 1, 2, and 3 on the stands as we speak. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics. Banned in 29 countries. Banned in 11 comic shops. But you can order these comics directly from the publisher at my link tree in the description below this video. Uh, if you are antsy and want to check the comics out immediately, go to my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Piscor. Three bucks get you the archive there. And I have more than 200 pages of Red Room Comics up there. As we speak, Jimmy, what else do we have? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. And I want to see a lot of Cartoonist yes. Kayfabe shirts at Heroes Con at the end of uh, this month. Jimmy, give them those marching orders and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.